0: okay good evening everybody and welcome to the church of grace it is friday december 2nd and we are at the hayes household again because they were i don't know having a party or doing something at the church building that we rent so we couldn't use it tonight next week we will be back there like normal that reminds me turn off your cell phones Don't be that guy. Okay, let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump in. Lord, uh, we do love you greatly. And boy, Lord, my week was just a mess. Uh, My whole family and I were battling the crud. Uh, We got head colds and they just went through the house and no one was feeling well. So I don't feel like I had a very spiritual week at all. I was just oh, just feeling miserable. Uh, But Lord, I'm so grateful that this week is over. And I'm so grateful that we're gathered together at our house, again, to get together and study the Bible. So, Lord, we do love you greatly. You are just awesome and powerful. And, uh, Lord, we need your help. We're asking for your blessing upon everything we do and say here tonight. God, please speak through me. Give us all a soft heart and ears to hear. Help us to learn something about the Bible and just get closer to you. And, Lord, we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Oh, you're good. Here, I got some notes. I'm passing out. I guarantee you won't be the last one to show up. (laughs) Fold those in half and shove them in your Bible. We'll get to those in a minute. So my voice is a little shot, so bear with me. I'm not sure how I'm going to sound or how loud I'm going to be able to talk we are going over Obadiah part one. So I've already been asked, is that a real book in the Bible? Yes, it is. It is the shortest book in the Old Testament. It is only one chapter. It is 21 verses, and we might not even get started in the book tonight. We're just going to go over some background, talk about some history, and kind of do an introduction of the book of Obadiah. But You could easily read through the whole book uh, while you're drinking, you know, half of a cup of coffee, so it won't be hard to get into, Um, and you'll have time to read through it before next week when we kind of dive into the book. So I was told we have one announcement, and that is on Friday the 23rd, okay, so Friday the 23rd, we are going to have a party and that is going to be at the heart of junction church (coughs) we're going to start at six o'clock is what we usually do and what we do every year for the week of hanukkah is we provide tamales from a great mexican restaurant that we like here in town and we get i don't know like 10 dozen tamales something ridiculous uh and then we ask everyone to potluck in uh, mexican food and we just have a feast and we light a bunch of candles so if you have candles bring candles and candle holders if you have a menorah or a hanukkah bring those and we light candles and we tell the hanukkah story and that's what we're gonna do so uh friday the 23rd of december be sure to do that sick we'll start at six And bring a friend. It's a great time to, you know, bring somebody. All right. So that's, I think, all we had for uh, announcements. So starting the book of Obadiah, uh, the book of Obadiah focuses on the people from Edom. The Edomites. So before we even get into the book of Obadiah, we need to look at the Edomites. Who are they? Where did they come from? And what is their relationship with the nation of Israel? The judgment against the Edomites is talked about more in the Bible than God's judgment pronounced against any other Pagan nation. More than the Babylonians or the Assyrians, more than the Egyptians, more than anybody, God talks about his judgment that is going to be poured out upon the Edomites. Even with that being said, very few Christians know who the Edomites are and what their relationship is with Israel. So, who is the famous Edomite? in the Bible. Esau, very good. So we're going to start in the book of Genesis. The first one, two, three, four, five portions of scripture we're going to read are in the book of Genesis. So let's start in Genesis chapter 25 and uh, get your Bible out, get to the first book, and we're going to look at a, a bunch of scripture. Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to read verses 19 to 28. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 19. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. <coughs> Excuse me. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pedanaram the sister to Laban the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children, plural, children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So if you're into underlining your Bible, which almost nobody is because everyone uses electronic ones, you'd want to underline right there where it says, two nations are in thy womb. That's kind of strange, especially since you think the two folks in her womb are going to be siblings. So how are they two nations? Picking it up in verse 24. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So what are the two nations? Israel's one. Very good. Because Jacob's name was changed by God to what? To Israel. Israel. And then what's the other nation? Very good. Edom. Esau is Edom. He is the father of the Edomites. That is the second nation that God is talking about in Genesis chapter 25, in verse 23. Now, go with me to chapter 36, and we're going to see this. God spells it out clearly, so there's no misunderstanding. In Genesis 36, verse 1, we read, Now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. And in Genesis 36, verse 9, And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. Now, so you know, there's quite a bit of wordplay in this chapter in the Hebrew language. When you look at the name Esau and that he came out and was red, uh, I believe the root word for the name Esau and the word red are the same. Also, you find out that he lived in the land of Seir, which is renamed um, when the Edomites take over, but that also... Uh, the words are similar, so um, I don't speak Hebrew. But if you uh, if you do, you find that there is some some wordplay involved there. So, what is the relationship between the Jews and the Edomites? They are. So the Jews came from the twelve sons of Jacob. And the Edomites came from Jacob's brother, Esau. Were the Edomites Jewish? No, they weren't. But what's that? Um, I think that's a solid statement. You know, no one really was until uh, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, Jacob was uh, the father of Israel. Uh, A family went down to Egypt. Uh, Jacob and his 12 sons and their families. They went down a family to Egypt. They left Egypt as a what? As a nation. Went down as a family, left as a nation. So as far as the Jews go, Jacob is certainly the father of the Jews. But we also read Um, how they all came from Father Abraham. So this is what's interesting. Even though they are not Jewish, they are the children of Abraham. So remember when God promised Abraham he would be the father of many nations? Okay, back in Genesis chapter 17, verse 4. We read as for me behold my covenant is with thee. This is God talking to Abraham. He says and thou shalt be the father of many nations. Now keep in mind when he told him this he didn't have any kids let alone you know lots of kids. But he said yeah you're going to be the father of many nations. So Edom is one of those nations. So let's go to the handout For those of you listening at home uh, or through a podcast, forgive me, you're not going to be able to see this. Uh, What I did here was I printed out um, the descendants of Abraham. So I mapped them out and I put a few verses in there to help you see where everything falls in the Bible. Uh, A couple important things we want to notice. So Abraham fathered children from three different women. Sarah, his wife, Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, and then Ketorah, who was Abraham's second wife that he took after Sarah died. Now, Sarah, if you look on the left of your page there, had Isaac, and then Isaac had two sons, Esau, and then below Esau, Jacob. Jacob. Jacob and Esau are going to be the focus tonight. Esau was the oldest, but Jacob, the younger brother, is the one that God used to bring the 12 tribes of Israel and the nation of Judaism. So as you can see, next to Jacob, I listed his 12 sons and their mothers, and I also put down numbers there, which are the order in which they were born. So you have Jacob's family there, but that's not what we're going to be focusing on so what happened was God told Abraham and Sarah you are going to have children you're going to be the father of many nations you're going to be the mother of many nations you're going to have all these kids does anyone remember how old Abraham was when he had Isaac wash north of 80. He was 100 years old when he had Isaac. And I believe Sarah was 90 years old. What I do know is that when Sarah laughed at God, when God was there and he told Abraham, now, Abraham, you're going to have kids. Okay. You're going to have a kid. It's going to be a kid just like I want. This is going to be special. God was telling Abraham that. And Sarah was in the next room listening in. And she goes, (laughs) and everyone stops talking and like looks over at her. Because why did she laugh? Because she was 90 years old. And she was barren. (laughs) It's not like they weren't trying to have kids. So so Sarah got it in her head. Look, Abraham, this ain't working. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to take my servant, Hagar, and you're going to have a child with her, and that'll be good enough. And you got to remember that this was a legitimate practice at the time. And if Hagar had a son, Sarah would have considered it a success that Abraham, her husband, had a a son. And we read about this later with, uh, with Jacob. Because Jacob had two wives, he had Leah and Rachel, and Rachel was unable to have kids and she was upset and she's like, that's okay, go ahead and take my servant, have a kid by her. And when uh, they did, Rachel was like, hip, hip, hooray, there we go, it, it worked, it was a success. So it was, it was a, a legitimate custom that they considered to be successful. So on this chart, you see right below Abraham, you have Hagar in Genesis chapter 16, if you want to look up the story. Now, Hagar had a son. What was his her son's name? Her son's name was Ishmael. There you go, buddy. Her son's name was Ishmael. And Ishmael was a bad dude. We're not going to go back through Genesis and talk about what he did and how that worked. But they were, you know, kind of banished. And go ahead. You had a question? Ishmael is going to be the father of many nations as well. Yes, so God does tell Hagar and Ishmael what's going to go on there. So then later on, and I'm off my notes here, so bear with me as I try to find my spot. Later on in Genesis chapter 25, and you can read it for yourself, after Sarah has died, Abraham gets remarried. So his second wife after Sarah dies is Ketorah. And Ketorah, the descendants of Keturah uh, are, make up some nations that we're familiar with today. So the descendants of Keturah's son, Jokshan, Jokshan turn into present-day Saudi Arabia, and the descendants of Keturah's son, Midian, uh, become the Bedouins. So the Bedouins, does anyone know who the Bedouins are? Has anyone heard of them? Okay, so they are nomadic, nomadic. Uh, Arab uh, people who populate every single Middle Eastern country that exists. They're all over the place. Uh, Anyway, what happens next is important. Esau, because he is mad at his father, because remember, Jacob, the younger, gets the birthright. Esau gets tricked out of everything. So Esau doesn't get the blessing from his dad. Jacob ends up getting it. <coughs> Excuse me. We're not going to get into that whole story. But Esau, he's upset. So he ends up going off and marries the sister of Ishmael's son, Nebajoth. You can find that in Genesis chapter 28, verse 9. So this causes the descendants of Esau to commingle with the descendants of Ishmael. So this group that Esau is a part of, who are all the descendants of Abraham, is the group that today we would call what? So some of them are, but not all of them. The Edomites are part of the group. So you see this fine dotted line that includes all of the children of Keturah, all the children of Ishmael, and Esau and his descendants. All of them together make up what we would call today Arabs. Arabs. By language, culture, religion, and customs, they are today's Arabs. Any questions so far? So you can write that right in the bottom right here in big letters, Arabs. So let me go over the history of the Edomites. Bear with me. I'm just going to try to get through this, and we're going to go over a handful of verses that I outlined right here, so you can follow along. Uh, Edom is formerly the land of Seir. It is east of the Dead Sea and south of the Gulf of Aqaba. So here, you would have Edom be down here. And it goes continues to go south down to the Gulf of Aqaba, which is right here. So it's south of Israel, takes up a good portion of southern Jordan, little part of Saudi Arabia, and the other side of the Gulf of Aqaba, the uh, the Sinai Peninsula. That is where Edom is. Now, Esau had already occupied that area by the time Jacob came back from Haran in search of his wife, Rachel and Leah and their handmaids. Because when Jacob came back, he ran into Esau and Esau was none too happy um, about uh, his brother Jacob. Uh, Edom later on, denies Israel passage by the king's highway in Numbers chapter 20, verses 14 through 21. So when the nation of Israel was on their way to Canaan land, they needed to go through Edom to get there. And they ask if they can do it. And the king says, nope, you're not allowed to walk through my land. And they say, we'll stick to the highway. We won't even stop to drink water. And he says, nope, you're not going to do it. And he comes out with an army and he tells them, absolutely not. Uh, in Deuteronomy 23, we find out that Israel is forbidden to abhor the Edomites, even though the Edomites don't pay them the same respect. Uh, Joshua was allotted the territory of Judah up to the borders of Edom, but it was not allowed to encroach on their land. You find that in Joshua 15.1. King Saul fought the Edomites in 1 Samuel 14. King David conquers Edom and places garrisons throughout the land in 2 Samuel 8. Uh, the Edomites joined the Ammonites and the Moabites in a raid on Judah in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, When Judah was being attacked by Pekah and Rezin, the Edomites invaded Judah and carried off captives. So what's the main theme here with the Edomites? Yeah, they're just buddies with Israel. Just a bunch of old pals getting along, right? Yeah, they don't like the Jews. That is the theme through the Old Testament. All right, now... What does that mean to you? 586 BC. What happens there? Big event in history. Big event in the history of Israel. What takes place? They do get kicked out of the land, Nick. Who is it that kicks them out of their land? Nope. The, the babylons. <clears throat> Babylonians. So in 586 BC, that is when the Babylonians, they tear down the walls of Jerusalem, they kill the people, and they burn the city. This is when Nebuchadnezzar had enough, and they sack the city. While that is going on, something else is happening. There is a third party watching and cheering on the Babylonians to destroy the city of Jerusalem and to slaughter their children. Who is doing that? Mm -hmm. Was the Edomites so turn with me to Psalm 137 you're going to want to see this Psalm 137 Psalm 137 verses 7 through 9 Psalm 37, verses 7 through 9. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Edom was cheering for the destruction of Jerusalem and the death of the children of the Jews while Babylon was destroying Jerusalem. When they're saying raise it, raise it, to raise a city meant to level it flat with the ground it meant bulldozer time. Nothing left. As you can see, the theme continues that the Edomites are not friendly with or fans of the Jews. When the Babylonians took the Jews away as captives, the Edomites were getting pressure from the Nabataeans. So If you have a map in your Bible and it has Israel and some real estate east of the Jordan River, you'll usually have Ammon, you'll have Moab, and you'll have Edom. Well, what was happening was, and I'm pretty sure I'm outside of the camera here, but what was happening was you have the Nabataeans that were coming up from Arabia and putting pressure on the Edomites. So the Edomites, who did not have great real estate, what did the Edomites do? Well, they moved rather than fight. Where did they move into? Yes, they did move into Judea. Why did they move into Judea? It was kind of open. When the Jews were taken captive, the Edomites moved up into Israel. And that is why you will find on maps where it says Idiomaia. Idiomaia is the Greek term for Edom. They moved into Israel, started their own nation, and took Hebron, And used it for their capital. Hebron, which is only 19 miles south of Jerusalem, the Babylonians left intact. They didn't touch it. Whereas Jerusalem was destroyed, the Edomites moved up and occupied the nation of Israel, a portion of it, and set up their own nation, their own little state there. And they remained there for quite a while. If you look on early Roman maps from the first century you will find Idiumea, the country on those maps. In 164 BC, anyone want to guess what happened then? Remember every question has to do with Jewish history. What was the big event Go with BMI. <laughs> No we're way way past that. Well, this one, remember, in between the birth of Christ and four hundred BC, there's no Bible. Okay, very good. This was <coughs> this was the Maccabean Revolt, and uh, where we get Hanukkah. So Judas Maccabeus retook the city of Hebron. And got it under Jewish control again. Uh, Does anyone remember the Maccabean revolt and last year's Hanukkah party? And we told the story of Hanukkah and the Maccabean uprising. So the Jews took back Jerusalem. They took back uh, the temple and they they took them back, not from the Edomites, but from Antiochus Epiphanes and his uh, soldiers. So this period of history takes place in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we call this time period uh, the Hasmoneans. So after the Greek Empire, you have the Hasmoneans and they ruled until the Romans came in to take over. The Maccabean name was Hasmonean. So they ruled this area for a short period of time. Sure. So What you have is um, Antiochus Antiochus Epiphanes came and desecrated the temple and put horrible, horrible persecution on the Jews. So there was one family, uh, the Maccabeans, that started a revolt. And they fought off the soldiers from... Uh, antiochus Epiphanes, and they sent more soldiers down and they fought them off and it just the revolt grew and grew and grew and they started taking over one city after another and kicking out the pagans and kicking out the idols and restoring the whole nation of israel back to its former glory while they were doing that they took back over hebron and took it back from the edomites and made it a Jewish city again. Uh, They took back over Jerusalem. They reinstituted the priesthood. They uh, had the temple and the the temple implements and the sacrifices start up again. We have the whole lighting of the candles and the, the Hanukkah miracle. And the name of the family, the Maccabeans, are the Hasmoneans. So there is a period of time, albeit a short one, where that is the Hasmonean Empire, okay. where the Jews come back and take back over their land. And then shortly after that, the Romans come in and they take over, and that's the end of it. Did that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the Has- Has- the same. As the Maccabean. You got it. You got it. Yep. So it's good to know that Because you'll read one and you won't know where they came from. Yeah. All right. So let's see. In 126 BC, uh, the prince and high priest John uh, Harakonis forces the Idiomaeans to die, flee, or be proselytized into Judaism. So the Idiomaeans who lived in this area were all of a sudden forced under penalty of death to become Jewish. So many of them obviously relented. They didn't want to flee the country, and they certainly didn't want to die. So they said, okay, we're going to get circumcised. We're going to honor the Sabbath. We're just going to go down the line and do all of the Jewish rituals and remain in the land. This did not help the already poor relationship between the Jews and the Edomites. Any questions so far? Okay, in 47 BC, Julius Caesar promoted an Idiomaean named Antipater as procurator over Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. In 37 BC, the Romans named Herod, son of Antipater, as king over Israel. When the Romans looked at the Edomites, they saw them as kind of Jewish. So when they appointed the Herods to a position of power, they thought they were appointing a kind of Jew. And the infighting that they had, they looked at as a family squabble. So they thought that what they were doing was fine. The Jews didn't see it that way. And obviously, they did not get along with the Edomites. They had a history with them. The Edomites did not like the Jews. The Jews did not like the Edomites. They always fought. They've been fighting for a long time. They're still fighting. And then we get to some of the more famous ones, Herod Agrippa. What did Herod Agrippa do? Nope. We're going to get there, though. Herod Agrippa was uh, they all they all were. Herod Agrippa killed James. Uh, He was the uh, nephew of Herod Antipas, uh, and he murdered who Who's the other famous guy that they killed. Very good. John killed John the Baptist. And uh, Herod Antipas is the grandson of Herod the Great, who was responsible for around the time of the birth of Christ, murdering who? All the babies, all the male babies, two years old and younger, right after the birth of Christ. And then in Acts chapter 26, Paul will make his defense before Herod Agrippa II. All of the Herods were Edomites. So as you can see, from Genesis, all the way up until, I could say the time of Christ and the time of the book of Acts. But realistically, you tell me, are the Israelites getting along with the Edomites today? No. The Jews are not getting along with all of their Arab neighbors today. what What did, uh, who is that uh, famous uh, maniac who got the uh, Nobel Peace Prize? Uh, who is currently burning in hell, um, leader of the PLO, um, Arafat. What did he consider peace with Israel? Yeah, that's right. He said, yep. He said, when Israel is in pieces, we will be at peace with Israel. Okay. He said, we will push them into the ocean. Okay, there was no idea of peace there was only the idea of destruction, of killing them. okay, And that was the case with uh, Syria, Lebanon. That's the case with Jordan. That's the case with Saudi Arabia. That is still the case today. Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, who came to America to lead a conference on religious tolerance. Did you hear what I said? Saudi Arabia came to our country and stood in the UN and taught on religious tolerance, will not let a Jew into their country. You are not allowed on Saudi Arabian soil as a Jew. If you have a passport with a stamp from Israel, you cannot go to Saudi Arabian soil. I have friends that have worked over there. You are not allowed to have a Bible over there. God help you if you're a woman. You're not going to be educated beyond the third grade. Okay. These people hate the Jews. They hate them. They all hate them. If you don't believe that, read the book by, oh, what's her name? Her name's something Gabrielle. I can't remember. The, the name of the book is Because They Hate. She was a Lebanese national who uh, was in the country when it was taken over by uh, the Arab Muslims who took the country over simply to be able to get their rockets close enough to be able to shoot them at Israel all day, every day. They, the Edomites still today hate the Jews. The same battle that's been going on this whole time. What happened in 70 AD? Okay, the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. They destroyed Jerusalem again. Shortly after that, in 132 to 136 AD, there was what was called the Bar Kokhba revolt. About 200,000 men at the command of Simon Bar Kokhba uh, had recaptured Jerusalem and many strongholds throughout the country. Emperor Hadrian called upon legion after legion to crush the Jewish insurgents. Almost 600,000 Jews lost their lives. Hadrian purposed to stamp out Judaism uh, and Jewish nationalism entirely. He believed no one could ever rule the land until the Jews were wiped out. Do you know that this little country right here, it's a little green spot, tiny little country. You look at it on a world map, it's a joke. It's smaller than the state of New Jersey. It has practically no, it's the only country in the Middle East with almost no oil whatsoever. And in countries around the world, late at night, there are smoke-filled rooms filled with men trying to figure out what are we going to do about Israel. And all the way back then, okay, the Greeks, the Romans, they all knew there's this one group of people that just won't submit. No matter what we try, no matter what we throw at them, they will not die and they will not give up. And here they said, we have to absolutely wipe them out if we are going to have peace in this region. So the Romans, they ended up saying that traditions such as circumcision, the Sabbath, the reading of the Torah, all forbidden under penalty of death. The Romans wanted to rename the land because, remember, the Jews have been kicked out. There's the great dispersion. They travel all over the world to get away because they're being hunted. And the Romans said, we're going to finish it off. We're going to rename the land. They have two great enemies of Israel that they can pick from to name the land after. Idiomaea and Philistia. The Idiomaeans were viewed as practitioners of Judaism and not as great of an enemy as the Philistines. So the Romans renamed the land Philistina, and this is why today, Israel is often wrongly called by those in the press, Palestine. Today's media does not know history. The Philistines were gone by 6th century BC. But they still named the nation of Israel, Palestine, as an insult to the Jews. Jews. To try to er- erase their identity. Maps until 135 AD after the Bar Kokhba revolt still displayed Idumea. After the Romans chose to name the land Philistina, Idumea disappeared from future maps and history. The Edomites, later known as Idumeans, became assimilated into the Palestinians of today. And does anyone know what the Palestinians of today are? What's that? They, they are Arabs. By birth, language, culture, and religion, they are Arabs. That's it, that's who they are. There has never been a Palestinian nation, king, language, culture, in the history of the world. They are nothing but Arabs. Do you know that the nation of Israel sat as a desolate wasteland? Nobody wanted it. For almost 2,000 years, anyone could have walked into it and inhabited it. Nobody went in there. Nobody irrigated it. Nobody cleared the land. Nobody tried to grow anything there. Nobody tried to produce anything there. It was it was left fallow. You want to know when all of a sudden this group comes up and says they want that piece of land after the Jews go back to their homeland. Then all of a sudden it's like a it's like a toddler with their brother or sister. Nobody cares about the toy in the corner until some kid picks it up. And then all of a sudden the other toddler wants it. So that's the only toy that matters. So that's the history of the Inumaeans and the family called Herod. The hatred of the Arabs uh, that the Arabs have for the Jews started all the way back in Genesis 25 between Jacob and Esau. And that was all by way of introduction of this one chapter book called Obadiah. Any questions? Yes. What? So it all started back. What you got to remember is when you're talking about Israel and Edom, Israel versus Edom is Jacob. Boy, this is worthless. Throw that out. <clears throat> Jacob versus Esau. That's what you're up against. It started back then, and it never got any better. All right, we got a few more minutes to get into something and try to drive home a point, so it was worth coming out tonight. Um, so this whole book is about the judgment upon Edom all because of the relationship between Jacob and Nesau, a.k.a. Israel and Edom. Uh, let's read the first, oh, let's just go over the first three verses in the book of Obadiah, and then we will call it a night. Okay, Obadiah chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the cities of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? So we see that this vision is Obadiah's vision. Do you know that there are 12 characters named Obadiah written down in the Bible? So the one we're talking about is obviously the prophet whose name is, you know, who the book is named after. That's the one we're talking about. But when you read through the Bible, you will find the name Obadiah all throughout the Bible. Understand we're talking about one specific guy, who is believed to be uh, in Jerusalem and taken away in the third uh, captivity. And he says that, thus saith the Lord concerning Edom. Now, this book is concerning Edom, and this makes the book of Obadiah unique. What are most of the prophets talking about? When you read about a major prophet or a minor prophet, who are they typically prophesying about? Israel, right? Northern, southern half of Israel, There, that's who the prophets are going to. Obaniah is one of only a few who prophesy to pagan nations. We just talked about, or we just went through a book recently Uh, Nahum, and Jonah, uh, and they are two more minor prophets who do not prophesy to Israel, but they prophesy to a pagan nation. Anyone remember the name of that pagan nation? The Assyrians. Very good. And the capital city is, what was that, Nick? Nineveh. Very good. But most of the prophets are going to be talking to the nation of Israel. So Ob- Obadiah is unique in, uh, in this respect. Let's see. Okay, in verse 1, God tells Obadiah that uh, we are going to rise up against Edom in battle. So uh, who is we in verse 1? It says, let us rise up against her in battle. Let us. Okay, but us means two, right? It didn't say you rise up against Edom. It said, let us. God and Israel. Remember, God is fighting on behalf of Israel. If there is one... (laughs) Prophecy that is an important one for us to remember, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it this quick. Yeah, sorry. I thought I'd be able to In the book of Genesis, God talks to Abraham and he tells him, "When someone blesses you, Abraham, what am I going to do? I'm going to bless him. When someone curses you, Abraham, what am I going to do? I'm going to curse him." Yeah, I don't remember. I should have had this one pulled up. The important thing to remember is that we have seen that play out through history again and again and again and again. Israel is here to bless the whole world. Now, do they always do it? Obviously not. We've read the Bible. They have plenty of periods where they do a terrible job and they're far away from God and God deals with them. But the nation of Israel is here to bless the world and we are supposed to be a blessing to Israel. My big belief is that America is still here today because we are Israel's strongest ally while they are surrounded by their enemies in every direction. America is still their ally, and we support Israel in uncounted ways. If you want to know when it is over for America, it will come shortly after America pulls their support for the nation of Israel. When that happens, I would suggest leaving the country. And I know that sounds ridiculous, and you might think I'm crazy for saying that. I literally mean you should move to another country. Find one that supports Israel. You will do better there. Hopefully they have a second amendment, but what are you going to do? So God says that he and Israel are going to take care of the Edomites, Verse 2, God is going to make Edom small among the nations so that they despise Edom. And in verse 3, what is Edom going to be punished for? It is their pride. In broad strokes, what is anyone going to be punished for? Yeah, their sin. Very good. Now, specifically, God mentions several sins of Edom, and the first one we're going to look at is pride. God is going to list several specific sins throughout the chapter, but pride is the first one. Do you know that God hates pride? He hates it so much. If you had to say, Patrick, what are the you know, what sins does God hate the most? I would definitely say pride is in the top three. If I had to be pinned down, I'd say idolatry is one. Okay. But if you wanted to make an argument for for pride, there's plenty of good Bible to go over it. I want to give you a couple ideas on pride. I'm going to run through these verses here and then we're going to be done. Actually, we're not even there yet. I'm going to run over starting there. Proverbs 8.13 the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate God hates pride 1 John 2.16 for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world Isaiah 14.13 and 14 I will exalt my throne above the stars of God I will be like the Most High who said that? Satan said that in Isaiah 14, Daniel chapter four, verse 30, the king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by my might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. And what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. We are not supposed to be prideful because God has given us every good thing in our lives. James 1.17, we are not supposed to be prideful because we are not good and we are not righteous. Romans 3, we are not supposed to be prideful because we are all as an unclean thing. Our righteousnesses, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God, Isaiah 64. We are not supposed to be prideful because our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17:9. And we are not supposed to be prideful because what do we all deserve? We deserve hell. But the good news is that God loves me anyhow despite all of those things. But it is supposed to be a reminder to me that I am never supposed to be prideful. There is no good thing in my life that does not come from God. Now, do you know what God instituted in order to fight pride? Taxes, ex-wives, mother-in-laws, federal government. (laughs) What did God institute to fight pride? (laughs) Okay, God instituted the tithe to fight covetousness, 10th commandment. Okay, but good guess. Uh Uh-huh. But how do you get there? ready for this? God instituted fasting. Fasting combats pride. Fasting will show you just how strong you are. No matter how much pride you have, you only need to fast for somewhere between 24 to 72 hours and that pride will be gone. During the days of Christ, how often would they fast? Do you remember that the Jews came to Jesus and they said, your, your, your guys aren't fasting. We all fast often. The Jews set aside one day a week to fast. It was regular like clockwork. So if you want to combat pride, learn to fast. The majority of them. Yeah, it was a custom like the Sabbath day. One day a week from sundown one day till sundown the next day, nothing but water. Yep. It's for a reason. It's a good, do you know what happens in your body when you go more than 16 hours without food and drinking only water? Do you know what happens? Your body starts eating itself. Do you know what your body starts with? No. Cancer cells. Your body starts out by eating Any foreign bodies in it. It starts out by digesting, attacking, and eating disease. Yep. It's the amount of research in this field is unending. You go down the rabbit hole. of fat. The whole world is just discovering fat intermittent fasting. It's the most amazing thing. Helps you lose weight. Helps with all these diseases. Helps with everything. Lo and behold, God commanded it 5,000 years ago. Told everyone to do it. It's also good with pride. Okay. You guys are wonderful. Thanks for putting up with that. That was the introduction. Read Obadiah for next week. It's only 21 verses. I'm sure we'll get through the whole, well, I'm sure we'll get through a lot of it. Okay, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get out of here. Wayne, you want to pray for us?